Hey everyone, it's Pacific. Not too much to talk about this week, but I do want to give you a very brief overview of everything happening in October. First, on October 1st, you can expect a very special announcement from us regarding SCP Archives Season 4 and Season 5. Second, we have live events on our Discord happening this month. Uh, first is a Q&A between Jesse Hall and myself, and the second is a live reading with some of your favorite voice actors. And on October 30th, we're releasing a very special episode to celebrate World Audio Drama Day. Uh, it's going to be a jam-packed month. Uh, of course, our season will end this October, but we have a lot more coming to you soon. And, of course, this October, I'm working on John Grills' 31 Days of Horror. Uh, you can listen to that on our sister show, Creepy. Uh, there's a link in the description below. Where every day we upload a new episode for your listening pleasure. It's been a very long journey to work on those uh, 31 episodes, but I think you guys will love them. Uh, and a bunch more that I can't talk about, but I will soon on Friday, October 1st. Keep your eyes peeled for that special announcement. And one more very special announcement this week, coming from one of our new patrons, Christopher Ofsted. Happy birthday, Maya M. I love you. Happy birthday, Maya. Thanks for tuning into the show and listening. And without further ado, enjoy part one of SCP-5935, The City of Pandemonium. And stay tuned next week for part two. Enjoy! Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number. SCP-5935. Containment class. Esoteric. Cognito hazard warning. For the safety of all persons accessing this document, certain names have been reclaimed. These names are no longer accessible. Special containment procedures. Access to Point Aleph is restricted to members of the SCP Foundation Overseer Council. Access restriction is to be maintained remotely by Mobile Task Force Alpha-1, Red Right Hand. Under absolutely no circumstances is any person to access SCP-5935 without authorization. Persons attempting to cross Point Aleph without authorization are to be destroyed on site. SCP-5935-1 is currently contained within SCP-5935. No containment procedures are necessary. Description SCP-5935 is an extra-dimensional location within a roughly 0.23 km by 0.31 km area at a point in the Southern Ocean, classified as Point Aleph. The interior dimensions of SCP-5935 massively exceed the exterior. An accurate measure of the area is nearly impossible to determine. The existence of the anomaly is nearly impossible to determine. The space is inaccessible by sea. The ocean surrounding SCP-5935 is constantly enshrouded by a thick fog that obscures vision of the interior of the space past the boundary line. Within SCP-5935 is a single, large, generally flat landmass. The landmass is the site of Pandemonium, a megacity that covers the entirety of the island. Pandemonium is composed of many hundreds of millions of identical skyscrapers. Each individual skyscraper is roughly 430 meters tall 
with super towers exceeding 1.12 kilometers. The total population of Pandemonium is unknown and irrelevant. The intended purpose of Pandemonium is to contain SCP-5935-1. SCP-5935-1 is an entity contained within Pandemonium. Addendum 5935.1 Collected Information Excerpt from the Journal of an Overseer of the SCP Foundation Entry 1 We buried Jacob beneath the old tree at the Michigan house, where we lived when he was little. He would swing on the rope from that tree for hours and hours, until he got so high that his mother would send me out to call him down. The sound of his laughter is like a song, half remembered from long ago. Now it's gone. Now he's gone. We had a simple service. Man was there, as he'd been all along, to make him comfortable at the end. Two and nine came, which brought Elisa some small relief. The factotum called Solemn, and three members of Red Right Hand were there as well. They helped me dig the hole where we could place his body. I carried him into the earth myself and laid him there, under the blanket he had held onto so tight. He was so small. I was worried he'd fall through the spaces in my arms. We sat beneath the tree for hours after everybody left. I don't think we have any words left to say. These last five years we've spent everything we had, all of the resources we have left, just to hear our child laugh one more day. The last day has come and gone, and now the silence is suffocating. How do you pick up the remnants of a life that was only held together by a single soul once it's gone? The unfairness of it has put me in such a dark place. I cannot bear to think about it for too long, for fear of losing a grip on my sanity. They tell me that I do not need to worry about coming back to work soon, but I cannot even begin to think about doing anything else at all, ever. The greatest joy in my life was Jacob, and that joy has been seized from me and broken. Nothing else of me remains. And then they come to say their kind words, and leave their empty remarks at our door. But I know what lies behind their condolences. Scorn. Or worse, two-faced pity. Duplicitous self-righteousness. The sickly proud swell of, I told you so, as if Jacob was nothing more than a point for them to prove. They mask their vitriol and distaste with a spectrum of dull pleasantries. I'm reminded of what Gibran wrote. I've seen a face with a thousand countenances, and a face that was but a single countenance, as if held in a mold. But there's nothing left to do. Nothing left to feel. We went back inside without a word, ate a meager meal without a word, and fell asleep in different beds without a word. There's nothing left to do. I miss my son. I miss my boy. Entry 2 Last night I had a dream. I was at a dinner hosted by a close friend from my childhood, who I have not seen in many years, and whose face I did not recognize, though I did recognize his voice. He was laughing at the end of a long table, and the air was filled with the sound of feasting. 
but I slowly recognized that the table was empty, save he and I, and the room had grown silent. He was staring at me from the far end of the table. When I looked back, he was beside me. His face was round, too round, unnaturally so. It rippled on the edges like it was made of a fabric in the wind, and his eyes were like dots of color suspended from wire somewhere behind his skull, as if he was two-dimensional. He sat staring at me for some time, and then said, There is not a way out of where you are, only a way in. Then he pulled the facade of his face away, and I saw a man's face instead, with the same suspended eyes. He said, There is nothing to be done. And then his face was gone as well, replaced with the face of Director Light. I saw then, flashing before me, faces. Everyone I've known. Everyone I'd ever seen. All of them rippling and coiling on the edges. The eyes swinging behind the flapping skin, now glowing like orange cinders at the edge of a fire. I saw others, too. The faces of men and women I've never met, but whose names I knew. The faces of those long dead. The faces of those yet to come. Then I saw, entering the room, another figure. A man? Or maybe a woman? Their face I could not see. They stood at the edge of the table, a hand placed upon it, staring at the figure beside me. They did not seem to recognize me, but their sight was fixated on the creature. I looked back at it, and then saw the face of Jacob, as he was the day I laid him in the earth. Gaunt, chalky, and bloated from the medication and the preservatives. His jaw moved as if to speak, but his lips could not come together, and the bile began to seep from his open mouth. The cinders of his eyes burned brighter, and began to swing faster and faster, like the arm of a metronome, in orbits impossibly large behind the veneer of my son. I heard a word then, spoken with my boy's voice, but soft and horrifically echoed across the chamber. In my waking, I cannot remember it, but I feel even now its impression on my entire being. At this word, the figure beside me appeared behind it, and then both they and the creature with the swinging eyes vanished into smoke. I saw the room around me come undone, walls falling into floors, and the ceiling spiraling up into the haze above me. I felt the sensation of falling, and then weightlessness, and then impact. I stood at the end of a long street, lined with mirrors as far as I could see. Far away, too far I know for me to have seen him now, but could perceive perfectly there, was the creature with the fluttering face. The face it wore was one I recognized, but had never seen. Familiar and intimate, the glistening eyes began to swing, and I woke up. Entry 3 Elisa did not get out of bed again today. She has not done so in many weeks now. Her attendants are patient, but I fear they are running out of ideas. I would speak to her, tell her it is going to be okay. Hold her hand and bring her out of that place with me. But I know I would only be bringing her to this place. It rained again. The fifth. No, the sixth rain since Jacob died. Entry 4 
Another dream last night. I spoke to Agatha about it, about what it meant. It does not matter now where I go, what chemicals I put in my body to help me sleep. Always I see the fluttering face and the swinging eyes in the dark of my dreams. Sometimes in silence, sometimes it will say the word. She said little. I know what she thinks, yet I cannot help but wonder. Another overseer, before he died, always said, Skepticism is the tool of those who don't know better. Who could possibly know better than we? She asked me if it feels like I am being affected by something. Yes, I could tell her. Losing my son. She is trying. We are all trying. She did think the appearance of the unknown figure was interesting. She advised that I sit on that and ponder their identity, this nameless person. Perhaps it would reveal itself to me. I know she means well. So I tell her I will try. But what is there to reveal? You can't name something that doesn't exist. Entry 5 Elisa has stopped speaking again. I searched for hours last night, fearing the worst. I found her clutching a toy Jacob had left out in the yard, beneath the pouring rain. She would not get up to come inside with me, not until the rain stopped. I wish I could say I stayed with her. The twenty-third rain since Jacob died. Entry 6 I was wrong. There is still something left to do. There are places the mind goes in despair that ensnare the soul and bind it to fixation. I've been there ever since I laid my son in the ground, frozen with uncertainty. There is no greater taboo than what I aim to accomplish, but it is the only way left. I'm sure of it. I know I cannot put to rest these nightmares until I do so. I've sent Elisa away to stay with Nine. She has not yet awoken from the stupor of her grief. I feared I might be forever trapped there with her until I saw this one thing. It is burned into my mind like a star, compressed to a point and held in front of my eyes, searing through the skull as if it is the only thing left in the world. Nine was kind to take her away. And perhaps it is because of her own loss that she understands. Does she know what I intend to do? Would she try to stop me? It would not matter. It cannot matter now. There's only this destination in front of me, and the long staircase down to where I intend to go. There is no way out of where I am at. Only a way in. Entry 7. Would he forgive me? If he saw the dirt on my hands, and saw what time and the earth had done to him? How can someone so pale have blood so dark? Blood so thick, so cold. Blood. Hey everyone, Pacific here with a quick ad break. 
And a reminder, you can get ad-free and bonus content at patreon.com slash scp underscore p-o-d. You guys, you know it's been nicer lately, and in Wisconsin, you never quite know when winter is going to be in, but it's been nice for like four days in a row, and I'm like, if sunnier days are coming, it's time to fuel up, and so I'm going back to my factor meals that no prep, no mess. I want to hit my weight goals before it's time to hit that beach. You've got options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, Factor has these fresh, never-frozen meals, dietitian approved guys, and here's the big thing for me, keeping out of the kitchen as much as possible, two minutes, and these meals are ready, so it doesn't matter how busy you are, you've always got time, so treat yourself. They have 35 different meals to pick from, 60 add-ons to choose every week. You're always going to have new stuff to try. Have it whenever you want. It's effortless, guys. So if you'd like to try it yourself, head to factormeals.com slash badmovies50 and use code badmovies50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code badmovies50 at factormeals.com slash badmovies50 to get 50% off of your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And now, back to the show. Addendum 5935.2. Collected audio recordings. So, he's alive. Miraculously, yes. That's a relief. Where is he now? They had him moved to the medical center at Site 301. My understanding is that he's under quarantine for now. Reasonably so. Yes, reasonably so. Once the cold started to get to the few who were with him at first, the rest pulled back to a safe perimeter. He's alone now? Well, in a manner of speaking. What was it? What he took with him, or what he brought out. Are they different? In a manner of speaking. Enough. You're exhausting me. Don't tighten up so much, then. It'll be easier that way. Fine. You're right. There. That should be better. You're right. That's much better. So, what was it? We have to be very careful with names. Do you understand? Of course I do. Then you know that there is no way for me to say for sure. Whatever it was when he went in, it is something different now. Different how? Changed. In the way those things often are. Act slower. You're hurting me. Sorry. It's been a while. I know. You can't be blamed for that. I'm at fault, too, for not being prepared. Changed, then. Yes, changed. He should have known better when those who tread forever in the wandering wood warned him against going where he did. Where was that, exactly? (laughs) Trixie, Trixie. You can't get out of this that easily. I'm sorry. I had to try. I don't know how much more of this I can... I can take. I know. Don't worry. I'll be done soon. No. There are things past the edge of the place before the nameless boundary that even those who reside without don't speak of. Old things. Things that never had names to take. I don't know where he found out what he did. I assume Ten revealed something he shouldn't have. But then how would he know? Unless... Unless? It doesn't matter. I shouldn't speculate. Not about this. Speculation can be just as dangerous as knowing the truth. So it is. Faster now. I know. We're nearly finished. There was one other thing I didn't understand. Hmm? What he did, where he went, 
what he communed with. Getting there in the first place would have been, well, it's nearly impossible to imagine how he would have done it. Agreed. It almost defies reason, but he always has been especially resilient. True, but as difficult as it would have been to get there. Hang on, this one. <gasps> there. Thank you for your patience. You're welcome. I interrupted. I'm sorry. You were about to say something? It's just that. I don't see how it would have been possible for him to get out. What makes you think he's out? Addendum 5935.3. Recovered Subject Analysis. Subject identifier uh, 5935H01. Subject classification, humanoid. Subject status, alive. Subject 5935H01 is a human subject recovered from within a place removed from a record. Subject presents with significant injuries and severe malnourishment. Despite this, the subject is in generally stable condition. Information provided by the extraction team has identified the subject as Jacob, deceased son of Foundation Overseer. The subject's injuries are believed to have been sustained as a result of an extended period of illness, a period of burial, and then exposure to the desperate actions of his father. The subject has been placed in an isolated intensive care ward for observation. While the subject has not yet regained consciousness, the pace at which it is healing is unusual and possibly anomalous. Subject 5935H01 is recovering from damage to its body that would typically necessitate dramatic and extended medical intervention. Update 1 of 5. Subject 5935H01 is to no longer be provided with intravenous medication, having now burst more than 10 IV bags with excessive blood that originates from within the subject. Analysis of this blood is inconclusive. The substance is dark, unusually viscous with an extreme unpleasant pungency. The aroma has varying descriptions, such as rotten flesh, feces, and ammonia. The reason for this is unknown. Requesting application from the Euclid containment class for the purpose of further evaluation. Update 205. Subject classified as SCP-5935, Euclid class humanoid entity. Moved to secure containment facility. Update 305. Subject removed from containment facility by overseer order. Status pending. Update 405. Subject returned to containment facility. Subject is now conscious. Update 505. Euclid class containment procedures deemed unsustainable. Subject removed from containment facility by overseer order. Addendum 5935.4. Additional collected information from the Journal of an Overseer of the SCP Foundation. Entry 8. I had another dream. I'm with Elisa. Years ago, when we took our trip to the mountains. I knew where I was immediately. There's a crispness in the air at that elevation. 
A briskness that tells you just how far away from it all you've come. After everything that's happened since, I can still feel the bite of the wind on the mountaintop. Elisa was pregnant at the time, with Jacob. It was the last trip we took together before he was born, and we spent most of our time in each other's company, in Alphonse's manse. Thinking of it now, I believe it was the first time off I'd had in more than a year. It felt like it could have been a dozen. I'm in the den, and there's snow falling outside. The room is lit by the fire in the hearth. Elisa's not with me, and I feel unease. There's something moving on the ceiling, but I can't see it through the dark. Or maybe I don't look up at all. I have something in my hand, something heavy. Someone else in the room says something to me, and it's not until that moment I realize that I'm not alone. They ask me my name, and I tell them. No, they say. What is your name? I don't answer. I don't know how to answer. I don't remember it. Or if I could remember it, the words are gone. After a moment, I give another name. Man's name. They shake their head. Your name. I'm embarrassed, and give another. They repeat again and again. And every time I give another name, Jack Bright, Skitter Marshall, Michelangelo Curvier, Tilda Moose, Arvin Desai, Gregory Vandeveer, Troy Lament, Jacob. The figure pauses at the last name, considering it. No, it says, but close enough. I'm suddenly aware of another presence. I stumble backwards, my steps long and horrible working my way through the maze of hallways and doorways that lead to a room full of doorways, a spiraling labyrinth of misdirection. I hear Elisa scream. I scream. Something behind me screams with me. The last door opens, and I'm in the room where Jacob died. Elisa is laying on the ground, her body splayed like a fallen marionette, and her stomach torn open across the middle. Blood pools in the cavity and cascades over the side. The air becomes thick and my eyes water. In, the voice says. The only way to go is in. I fall to my hands and knees and crawl forwards. I do not know if I weep. Elisa's face is turned away from me. I put my hands on either side of her ruptured belly and push my face into the blood. My body sinks into hers, and I am falling. I don't know how long I am falling for. The air is thick with misery. I see nothing but red and hear nothing but a beating heart, my own or another. The figure is with me. Your name, it says, but I cannot speak. I open my mouth to try, and blood fills my throat, then my lungs. I try to scream out throbbing silence answers. Then I awaken. I'm standing at the edge of a tree line, one I recognize too well. Behind me is the land of wild and whispers, a thousand fearful eyes peering out from the safety of the dark. Something flutters at the corner of my vision, and I see a face floating by, carried on the wind. Elisa's dead eyes look past, as it catches an updraft and disappears. 
I look up. The sky is full of faces, papery and soft, wordlessly dancing on zephyrs. One comes near me and I brush it away and see the face of my father watching, unmoving, driven only by the breeze. I look down. There's a long dirt road leading down into a valley, down where it is. Behind me are the trees. Above me are the faces. And in front of me is the path I had to walk, the place I had to stand, the words I had to say, the thing I had to do. Addendum 5935.5a, Automated Emergency Meeting Transcription. You're here. I am. I... I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't think you would come. I... Well, if you'd caught me a few days earlier, I might not have made it. How bad is it? They didn't give me a date, just some furtive glances. You know the kind. The ones that say, we don't know how to tell you this in a way that will make you feel any better about it. I'm so sorry. Don't be. It's not your fault. Even if you'd known, I wouldn't have let you... No, I wouldn't have let you find out. Nine knew. That surprises you? Of course she knew. That's what she does. She knows things. It doesn't make a difference. What matters is it's done. They can do whatever they want to me now. It's done. I presume you know what they're planning on doing to me then? Three was livid, David. You had to have known he would... I knew. Say, do you know where SCP-184 is right now? The architect... No, I don't. Why? Huh. No reason. I had a dream about it the other night. And then again last night, too. Never mind. So, what will it be, then? I don't know. I wouldn't even be able to say. I, I don't think he wants your resignation. If he gets the majority he wants, I think he'll just take it. How close is he? He needs two votes. Nine abstained, and eleven is taking their time to decide... If Eleven goes over, that's a deadlock. But then there's one. What has she said? David, you don't know what it's been like. The whole atmosphere has... It's not the same as it was even a few weeks ago. Nobody's really talking. It's just memos and those factotums scurrying around. I tried to get in touch with Four to see where he's at, but... But what? Nothing. Not really. He's locked up, same as everyone else. They're all afraid. And three is offering solutions, so they're running his way. What are they afraid of? Whatever you saw in there. Are you... Are you okay? Have you been... I, I just... You read the reports, and some of the things that come back. They... I'm fine, Ash. Ten. Sorry. I'm fine. I'm not some monster. I didn't get charmed by a wizard. I'm not going to be around as long anymore, but there was always a chance for that anyway. I know. I'm sorry. It's just so hard to figure out what's real and what's not. Even my own staff are split, trying to encourage a decision one way or another. Nobody can decide, especially after we got the, uh, the reports from what you, uh... From what I brought out. My son. Jacob. And? 
Jesus, David, give me a break here. I'm not saying anything. I'm just... uncertain. Nobody knows. Three is it all locked down so hard right now. I've never heard anything this totally inaccessible to me before. Or any of us, for that matter. We just feel like he's hiding something. Like... like you're hiding something. I'm not hiding anything. No matter what Three thinks he's discovered. It's just my son. David. When are they going to wake him up? Wake him up? I... yeah. Three said that once this vote passes, they were going to seize the medical lab. He's got an order for classification and... containment written up. They're going to move the, uh, uh, Jacob to site... Three is confused. He isn't going to be waking Jacob up because Jacob isn't sleeping. This... this isn't some spell or some flight of the arcane. It's different, and it takes time. It will take time. And then he'll open his eyes, and three and the rest will see. Jacob is fine. It will just take time. What if it isn't? David, I'm sorry. Why wouldn't he be? Addendum 5935.6 Medical Evaluation Transcript Update The subject's breathing has studied. Heart rate is slowed. Temperature I see. What's this? Pressure readings. From where? What's this pattern? From inside this room. His eyes. Look. He's waking up. Check those restraints there. Hurry now. They're good. Good, good. All right. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? My name is Martin Wallace. I work with your father. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Where am I? You're at a medical center. We've been treating you. Do you know your name? My... My name? Who's there? Can't you see me? My name... Jacob. My name is Jacob. Ah, good. Very good. Alright, so you may be feeling... Your name is Martin. Um, excuse me. No, it's not. I can see it. Yes. Why would you hide it? Your name... Nurse, can you... Oh my god. Dr. Wallace... Doctor, I... What is the meaning of this? My name is Dr. Johan Wallace. It was my father's name. At this point in the recording, an unexpected error occurs. I, uh... Doctor, you're restrained to this, uh... What are you talking about? What is this? You... You can't be... Why why am I being restrained like this? What is the meaning of this? Nurse, please, these restraints. Yes, I'm sorry, Doctor. I'll remove them. I don't know how this happened. Alfred, step back. This entity is trying to trick you. Excuse, Excuse me, sir. Stay, stay back from me. Alfred. The doctor wants me to remove his restraints. I am the doctor. You are, uh... I can feel your heart inside me. You... The... the... Nurse, what is this? Nurse, Nurse please, please, help, help me. me. I'm coming, doctor. I'm sorry. 
I hear it. Stay back. Stay back. Hurry. He's got a knife. That's my face. My face. Not yours. The sound of sliced flesh, gargling, and then the sound of moderate thrashing followed by silence. Dr. Wallace, are you alright? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm... What? Doctor... Hang on. What's this? Who? I'm not... Daddy? Please, Daddy? Someone help me. I need my dad. Help me, please. God, what's happening to me? Daddy? Please, Daddy! This week's episode was made possible thanks to our patrons. Joining us this week was Marcus Perez, Christopher Ofsted, David Bergman, Andreas Tomasin, Kristen Isaacs, Gabe Wilson, and Hollow Swede. SCP-5935 was written by DJ Cactus. Our host and narrator is John Grills. Overseer was Graham Rowett. Jacob was Brandon Nguyen. Mysterious Man was Pacific S. Obadiah. And Weary Woman was Nicole Goodnight. Dr. Wallace was Russ Moore. Nurse was Madeline Moore. And 0510 was Tanya Meliovic. Our assistant editors are Danny Swede and Jesse Hall. And our community manager is Celeste Cassion. This week's transcript was done by Pacific S. Obadiah. And our music is done by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific S. Obadiah. And our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a bloody disgusting podcast. <laughs> <laughs>